Welcome back to the broadcast, friends. Welcome back to Corbett Report Radio. I am your host, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, blasting out to you on 1140 KHFXAM in Dallas-Fort Worth and around the world live on RepublicBroadcasting.org. So thank you once again for investing your time and your mental energies in what I hope will prove to be nourishing, healthy, alternative media and a welcome, refreshing change from some of the mainstream palatable pop pablum that is shoved down your throat through all the other outlets. So, once again, thank you for coming in tonight, and I hope that this week will be another interesting week here on the program, as tomorrow night we will be talking to Jason Leopold of truthout.org about one of his latest articles talking about the FBI and the process of blackballing that should be a pretty interesting conversation, and if you want to study up for that conversation, you can, of course, go to truthout.org to read not only Jason Leopold's latest article, but, of course, all of his very informative uh, research and articles there. And on Wednesday night, we'll be talking to Matthew Slater, a currency, an alternative currency a theorist and activist from Europe. So we will be talking about the process of getting ourselves off of the grid monetarily, and then on Thursday night, of course, we'll be speaking once again to James Evan Pilato of foodworldorder.com. And Friday night, we will have Friday night highlights. So a jam-packed transmission all this week. And tonight, we'll start things off with a blast with a, uh, a guest who has not appeared on the Corbett Report before. So it will be the first time for myself as well as the listeners out there. But I'm looking forward to it. Tonight, we're going to be talking to Larkin Rose of LarkinRose.com. That's Larkin, L-A-R-K-E-N, Rose, R-O-S-E, dot com, where you can find the writings and videos of uh, Larkin Rose, who is a, an author and a researcher into politics, or should that be anti-politics, and the federal income tax. He's the author of such books as Kicking the Dragon, The Iron Web, and The Most Dangerous Superstition, as well as How to Be a Successful Tyrant. And he also has a DVD called Theft by Deception, Deciphering the Federal Income Tax. So, Larkin Rose, it's great to talk to you tonight. Thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for having me on. Well, this is our first time, as I say, and uh, my first time talking to you and your first time talking to the listeners. So perhaps uh, you can give us a little bit of information about your background and uh, where you're coming from. Sure. Um, I basically grew up in a, a sort of maybe libertarian-leaning conservative republic uh, Republican-type household and town. Um, so I sort of started out being a little bit suspicious of government and, you know, the Constitution, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and over the years with... Uh, I had a couple brothers who were into the, the John Birch Society thing and and just every now and then exposed to ideas and political debates and stuff and... And eventually I, I really got into it and would debate and argue more and more with people I know. And, and then along comes the Internet, which, of course, makes it a zillion times easier to, to throw ideas back and forth with people and read about new things. And just gradually over time, I came to find that statism of any flavor, whether it's called right or left, is all based on the same gigantic false assumption. And um, along with my wife, Tessa, we basi basically took turns corrupting each other until we completely fell <laughs> off the status spectrum and ended up realizing that there can't be such thing as a legitimate ruling class. 
that government can't ever be valid or moral or useful. Very interesting. Well, it, it seems like we're probably coming from, from opposite uh, sides in terms of our background, but it sounds like we're arriving at pretty much the same spot, and we will be going more into that in, in tonight's broadcast. So I hope people will check out LarkinRose.com. And also, the uh, one of the videos that I, I found Larkin through was called The Tiny Dot. It's got uh, over 100,000 views on YouTube. It's quite a popular video and quite an excellent one that starts to break down some of these concepts. So I hope you'll go and check that out as well if you haven't yet done so. But right now, let's take our first break, and when we come back, we'll continue chatting with Larkin Rose of LarkinRose.com. Hey, friends, we're back here on Corporate Report Radio, and we're talking to Larkin Rose of LarkinRose.com. About, uh, well, about government and really what it's doing there in the first place. And as I was saying before the break, I, uh, I fr- well, I've seen Larkin Rose's work before, but he really came on my radar with an excellent video called The Tiny Dot, which I really do hope you'll you'll take a look at. I will put it up in the show notes for today's show at CorbettReport.com slash radio after tonight's broadcast airs, so I hope you will at least check it out from there. And I wanted to play a clip from it, but really the visual is such an important part of that video that I don't think it would really do it justice just to play the audio. But perhaps we can talk about some of the key concepts that are fleshed out, I think, really quite brilliantly in that video about the tiny dot and how it rules over the great hordes. So uh, so I don't want to put words in your mouth, Larkin. Perhaps we can uh, just transition into this topic and, and really but perhaps you can start by talking about how you started to come to the realization of what government is and how it really functions. Well, that was uh, that was sort of a, a slow process. I really got there by debating against other people and debating against, in fact, debating against maybe who you used to be. Um, you know, I was more right-wing statist and people who were more left-wing statist, and I would argue with them in, you know, political chat rooms on AOL and things like that. And I'd argue, and it would be fun, and after the argument, I'd think, all right, I sort of tripped up a little bit there, like I felt like there was a contradiction in my own position, so I'm going to go look at it and, and you know, fine-tune it so that I don't, you know, stumble and fall on my face. And just by doing that, just by trying to remove inconsistencies inside my own head, you know, never mind what other people are saying, just trying to get consistent with myself a piece at a time, everything that I believed about government and authority and law sort of fell apart. You know, for, to go out there and, and tell somebody it's immoral for you to demand government to take my money to give to the poor, but it's perfectly fine for me to demand it to take your money so we can have a big military. You know, that's inconsistent. It doesn't match. And, so basically, I got to the point where I realized it, it, this thing called government that we're all taught to believe is what makes us civilized and what makes organized society possible. It's never legitimate. It, it can't have any rights that we don't have. It, it's basically a gang of thugs that tries really hard to make its victims think that they have a moral obligation to be victimized. And. As it happens, the tiny dot is a great, a great simple way to illustrate that. Basically, the main point of it is it demonstrates just the, the statistical difference 
between the number of people in Congress who are telling us what to do and demanding trillions of dollars from us and bossing us around and, and threatening us with all kinds of nasty things if we don't obey them, and the number of people that they're bossing around. And if you just, you know, the tiny dot illustrates graphically the difference between the number of us and the number of them, number of people bossing us around and the number getting bossed around. And if you just see the statistical difference and then you you watch this ongoing spectacle that's been going for centuries, literally, of this huge throng of people begging this tiny little speck, you can hardly even see, begging it to let us keep some more of what we earn or to let us be free. It's just ridiculous. And... It- it, it almost beggars the imagination, but but that's why I think the video was so brilliant in the way that it, it visually portrayed that. And for people who haven't seen it, basically, I mean, the number of people in Congress compared to the 100 million or so taxpayers and 300 million citizens that they supposedly represent, I mean, it's a ridiculous uh, comparison when you actually take a look at it. And, of course, everyone will try to argue, oh, that's an oversimplification. The, the left-wing statists will say, well, actually, it's really masses of people versus the, uh, the, uh, the 1% or whatever it is. And, uh, or the, uh, the right-wing statists will say, well, actually, no, that's wrong because we need that tiny dot to protect us from outside uh, terrorist boogeymen or whatever their, their argument might be. But, but ultimately, it comes back down to that tiny dot that is supposedly either going to protect everyone from, from the terrorist boogeyman or protect everyone from the, the capitalist banksters or whatever it is. And it, it, the, the real power of that imagery is to show that, in fact, there are these, this incredible mass of people that are paying so much money to this tiny dot to supposedly take care of everything for them. And it's, uh, it's, well, when you see it visually portrayed like that, it really does strike you as, uh, at the very least, a little bit odd. <laughs> right. It's just ridiculous. And intentionally, the, the video, the tiny dot, doesn't actually explain why it happens. Because that video, there's, there's then the tiny dot explained that talks about it. But I wanted to leave people hanging. And almost nobody can explain why that is. You have this giant throng begging this tiny little dot to let them keep more of their own money, for example. And I don't know anybody who's completely happy with what the people in Congress do with their money. You know, a lot of people complain about the warmongering, a lot of other people complain about the welfare state, and, you know, there's plenty of things for plenty of different people to complain about. But the bizarre spectacle of instead of just saying, I'm not giving my money to you anymore because you do destructive things with it, you know, whatever somebody happens to complain about, Instead, this giant throng keeps begging this tiny little dot. And I think people have a really hard time understanding why that could possibly happen because the the messed up thinking that allows that to happen is still inside their head. And they can't see it. So that when you see the picture of this giant throng begging the dot, they're just desperately trying to come up with some rationale for why that makes sense when it just, it looks ridiculous when you actually see the comparison of, you know, we're begging this little speck that you can't see to please steal less than $3 trillion a year from us instead of just saying, why, we don't need your permission. We don't have to ask you anything. We outnumber you a gazillion to one. We outgun you a gazillion to one. Why do we even care what you say? Why do we even know you exist, you insignificant little speck? And hardly anybody can actually answer that question. 
And I intentionally didn't in the original video to sort of leave people hanging to think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more effective for doing that because obviously everyone's going to, to project whatever they believe onto onto that video. But I think it's in that process of starting to actually confront the whole the whole process and how it came about that people, hopefully, at least uh, some people out there will be willing to challenge their beliefs because certainly that's the only way that we can make any process or progress or arrive at a different spot. But uh, I think probably the best way that I've ever seen this uh, portrayed in in words, at any rate, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but it's a passage from a, a comedy book called So Long and Th- Thanks for All the Fish by Douglas Adams. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he had this brilliant uh, part about lizards that I'll, I'll just read a little bit um, from. And this is from a scene where an extraterrestrial robot and a spaceship has just landed on Earth, and a robot steps out of the spaceship. I come in peace, it said, adding after a long moment of further grinding, take me to your lizard. Ward Prefect, of course, had an explanation for this as he sat with Arthur and watched the non-stop frenetic news reports on television, none of which had anything to say other than to record that the thing had done this amount of damage, which was valued at the, this amount of billions of pounds, and had killed this totally other number of people, and then say it again because the robot was doing nothing more than standing there, swaying very slightly and emitting short, incomprehensible error messages. It comes from a very ancient democracy, you see. You mean it comes from a world of lizards? No, said Ford, who by this time was a little more rational and coherent than he had been, having finally had the coffee forced down him. Nothing so simple. Nothing anything like so straightforward. On its world, the the people are people. The leaders are lizards. The people hate the lizards, and the lizards rule the people. Odd, said Arthur. I thought you said it was a democracy. I did, said Ford. It is. So, said Arthur, hoping he wasn't sounding ridiculously obtuse, why don't the people get rid of the lizards? It honestly doesn't occur to them, said Ford. They've all got the vote, so they all pretty much assume that the government they voted in more or less approximates to the government they want. You mean they actually vote for the lizards? Oh, yes, said Ford with a shrug. Of course. But, said Arthur, going for the big one again, why? Because if they didn't vote for a lizard, said Ford, the wrong lizard might get in. (laughs) Which I think is a pretty apt explanation, and uh, one that I think everyone can relate to, and yet for some reason, no one actually takes that step and applies it to our own situation and our own government. Yeah, yeah, they just, it's it's outside the box that they can think inside of. I mean, in the tiny dot, it even shows that every once in a blue moon, this tiny little dot is chased away and replaced by another dot that happens to do almost the exact same thing. But it never occurs to the throng, wait, why are we having a tiny little dot that robs all of us? You know, why do we need a new one of them? Like, why do we need a new lizard? Why don't we just not have the lizards telling us what to do? But people, they literally can't think that way, which is why the situation is as it is. The throng cannot comprehend a reality in which there isn't a tiny dot telling them what to do and stealing their money. They just assume that, well, of course there has to be this tiny dot that steals trillions of dollars from us. Let's just argue about how much it should steal and what it should spend it on. And basically, all the trivial things that don't matter, and they completely miss the original point of why do we imagine that something has the right to basically enslave us, take what we earn, and and use it for its agenda, not our own interests. 
Exactly right. And it, it, it really is so pervasive, the thinking and the mindset that people can get into. And I don't even want to exempt myself from that because I myself get excited at the prospect of someone like Ron Paul's getting into office. That would be so incredible. We could we could change the course of uh, foreign policy and we could change the world in so many ways. But of course, it's still buying into the fundamental precept that we do need the tiny dot. And it's all insidious uh insidiously done and they get it uh, get us fighting with each other over these uh, who would be, be the best dot which is part of the i think the mental enslavement i think it's all about uh, dividing the people against themselves which is part of the, the parlor trick that they use but we can get a bit more into that first let's take a, a short break and then coming up after the break we'll be talking more of course to larkin rose of larkinrose.com and if you want to get in on tonight's program and share your thoughts about government and the uh, need or lack thereof for government you can call in at 1-800-313-9443. That's 1-800-313-9443, and we'll get you up and on the air. back friends talking to larkin rose of larkinrose.com and once again the number to get in on tonight's conversation 1-800-313-9443 so larkin just before the break i i brought up the uh, what i think to be a fundamental method of control for the tiny dot which is to convince uh, the masses that their real enemy is each other and to get them fighting with each other instead of concentrating on the dot and why the dot even exists so uh, your your take on that do you think that's a, a fair assessment yeah, there's. I see two, two huge benefits to tyrants built into the mythology of democracy. Um, one is it, like you said, it allows them to pit us against each other, where we're screaming at each other, "You horrible leftists! You want to ruin the world? We got Republicans in there, and then oh, you horrible right wingers! We got to, you know, we're screaming at each other while there's this gang over there bossing us all around and taking all of our money, and that works like a charm but i think there's another just as important factor which is giving the people the illusion that they actually have some say like you you put up your two puppets there a left and a right they're both going to do the same collectivist garbage and answer to their masters but the illusion that we have a choice makes us forever arguing over my guy should be the dot no my guy should be the dot and literally most people can't comprehend the, even the idea of not having anybody rob all of us. And it, it's to the point where, you know, I make a bunch of videos and write a bunch of articles. Invariably, whenever I say something bad about a left-wing politician, people say, oh, you right-wing Republican. And I say, um, no, that's not what I am. And when I badmouth right-wing status, some, you know, the, the conservatives will come out, oh, you must be a communist. Because literally all they can think of is you either want the left dot or the right dot, because what else is there? And it's sad that democracy trains people to not be able to see that there might be something else. And not just sad, heartbreaking, but, but I can yeah. certainly personally attest to that. I, I, I was uh, called a all, all, all manner of um, uh, communist uh, whatever garbage when I was against Bush, and now that I'm against Obama, I'm all manner of right-wing fascists. So um, <laughs> absolutely, that, that plays out every single time. Right. And the thing, I, I wanted to say a thing about the, the Ron Paul campaign. Um, it, it's a, a thing that I 
I hate to do it, but I have to constantly be a party pooper to people who get, you know, they get all excited and yay, we have a candidate here. You know, he's, as far as I can tell, Ron Paul is actually honest and has integrity and is a decent human being. And how he can still be that while being in Washington is a complete mystery to me. But what I ask people is, let's say you totally, all your dreams come true. By some miracle, he's elected. By another miracle, they don't just kill him as soon as he is. By another other huge, gigantic miracle, he becomes president and for some reason Congress cares what he has to say and starts to implement his agenda. What is the ultimate goal of Ron Paul supporters? Is it something like this? Now, at long last, the little dot will sit down and write down on a piece of paper that we're allowed to keep more of what we earn. <laughs> what does that imply? It implies we're slaves. Voting for Ron Paul means I accept that I'm a slave. I accept that it's somebody else's decision. The people in Congress, they get to decide how much of what I earn I'll be allowed to keep. They get to decide what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. I'm just really excited that this new slave master will give us his holy permission to be more free than we were before. That's not good enough. And what is the, what of one of the other corollaries of that is that, well, then the next slave master after that, even assuming a, a Ron Paul presidency, even a two-term presidency, well, after that, what if someone else gets in and reinstitutes all of it all over again? Right, which, of course, they were, you know, people say, we got to get back to the Constitution. Why? Because it worked so badly the first time. What if, if by a miracle you could get back, why does anybody think it wouldn't just march right back to where we are now? But the underlying point is that if you, as long as all your hopes and dreams ride on getting a guy on the proverbial throne who will tell you you're allowed to be free, or at least more free, you're not even free inside your own head. If you think you need somebody else and their legislation to write an official decree telling you you're allowed to keep what you earn, or at least some more of it, the enslavement problem is not in Washington. It's inside your own head. If you think you need the politician's permission to be free, you're never, ever, ever going to be free, even if you happen to get a politician who gives you permission to be a little bit more free. And when people escape the mindset that we need the permission of the dot to be free, they'll suddenly find we don't need an election. We don't need a revolution. We don't need anything. We don't even have to pay attention to the dot. We don't need to overthrow it. We don't need to do anything to it. If we stop acting like it's our rightful master, it has zero power. None. And, of course, if one or two people do that, then it sends out its mercenaries and stomps on them. If 300 million do, that's the end. <laughs> Game exactly, over. No exactly. Exactly right. And that's the point. I think there's a lot of people who are in the same boat that you and I seem to be on right now, which is uh, knowing and understanding this at a conceptual level. But it's uh, the part of in taking that and making it part of your everyday life that uh, that boggles the imagination of most people, myself included, when so much of our lives are dependent on the systems of control that they have set up for us as the uh, the perfect trap, because they trap us with their honey and then uh, keep us in line with their sticks uh, so it just it's a never never ending cycle in some ways so we have to find a way off and on that note we'll take a short break but we'll be back to talk more about this and some of the solutions that we can have for getting off of this treadmill right after this 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. friends tonight we're talking to larkin rose of larkinrose.com so once again if you haven't been there i suggest you do go there and check out some of his writings and videos from the past and tonight we are discussing all of the myriad ways in which people can be conned into believing that there is some kind of need for government or campaigning against this or that government or uh, or trying to advocate for the government to allow them to do this or that but is that really necessary at all well, we already have uh, some callers on the line. So we have uh, Mark from L.A., I suppose that's Louisiana, on the line. Mark, thank you for joining us tonight. What's on your mind? Yes, uh, uh, good evening. Thank you for having me. Uh, it was mentioned by either one or both of you that uh, about uh, democracy. And my question is, why do we even have to have democracy? Who says that we have to have democracy? especially when I think that, that, that democracy is the most evil institution ever devised by the devil, if you believe in such being, uh, we shouldn't have a democracy. And should now should we have a state? I, I think I've thought of ways of eliminating the state. I haven't been able to come up with a way to eliminating the state, but I have come up with many ideas about limiting the, the state it would have no resemblance to what we have presently. I think what you're doing is you're criticizing the present system, which is undesirable and very evil. But it doesn't mean we have to have what we have now. We don't even have to have what the founding fathers came up with. And it was at the time a magnificent thing, just like the model, you know, the, 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 the Model T was good for its time. You know, but it wouldn't be so good today, you know, compared to what we have today. Uh, I, I think the government has to be, especially the federal government, has to be more restrictive. We have to put beyond the reach of these scumbags, you know, people like Bush and Clinton and Obama and, you know, and all these myriad of scumbags that we have, you know, so that they wouldn't even get to government because there wouldn't be anything for them. You know, they would have to you know, just rob banks and, you know, and do other horrible things that, that they, the only thing that they would be capable of doing, you know, because they wouldn't be able to do anything productive, you know, because they're parasites at heart. That's what we have to concentrate <laughs> on, not to say, well, right. you know, well, we don't need the state because the state is so bad. Yeah, the state is as it presently is, but not what it could be. All right. Well, Larkin, I'm assuming this is probably not the first time you've heard that argument. What, what's your no, response not, to that? No, not the first or the hundredth or the thousandth. The problem is the state cannot ever be anything other than a violent, immoral, destructive, thieving, murdering gang of parasites. Government, by its very nature, is an aggressive, violent monster. If we remove every ingredient that makes it that, it ceases to be government. It, we can have organization, we can have cooperation, we can have all sorts of things. But as 
if it still counts as government, it's because it is still viewed as a ruling class, a legitimate ruling class by its victims. And that is the problem. It is the, it isn't what is in Washington that is the problem. It's the fact that people hallucinate legitimacy to the violence that the gang in Washington exerts over hundreds of millions of people. As long as people imagine that that's okay, that that's necessary and civilized and everything else, and focus on trying to bicker about what form of parasitic thief it should be, we never are going to actually achieve real freedom. Um, I would agree that democracy is is heinously ridiculous. It's one of the best things that ever happened for tyrants because it allowed them to keep being tyrants while giving people the illusion that they have some say and tricking people into thinking that they're consenting. Like, you get to choose which of these two people is going to kick you in the head and steal your stuff, and that means you're in charge. You know, that's the lie we're taught about democracy. But I think ultimately there can't be such a thing as a useful or a moral or a legitimate government. If it ever got to be legitimate, it wouldn't be government anymore because it wouldn't be robbing us and, and bossing us around in ways that, you know, your neighbor doesn't have the right to do. If I don't have the right to do it to you, then the entire Congress and all of their mercenaries don't have the right to do it to you either. And that, that just comes down to the perception of the victim of tyranny, actually. actually. doesn't matter what the politicians think. If the people, they try to rob and stomp on, stop imagining it to be legitimate, that's the end. If we just bicker about how they should stomp on us and rob us, then we sort of get nowhere. I um, I, I certainly see your, your point there, and I think um, perhaps you and Mark really aren't so in, in such disagreement as, as my think i mean i think it, it all hinges on on our definition of organization and cooperation and what that could look like and i'd like to get more into that but we also have another caller holding on the line we have ken in virginia so let's bring ken into the conversation ken what's on your mind tonight yes well you, you've been talking about the perception of the people and, the, and how you have to change their perception it's not a question of perception the fact is that the government is is in, actively engaged in killing us and, and we cannot have, uh, uh, with, with chemtrails, with fluoride, with sp spreading viruses deliberately among the population. This is, and this is what we, and this is what we can change. And, uh, so you, you have to, you have to uh, focus, I mean, that, that we have to, uh, to work on, of course, and also through wars. They're trying to kill us and they're, they're doing a, a good job because they're making more and more people sick and, uh, and they are going to uh, kill. And of course, uh, through the hormone stuff, uh, and, and Monsanto, uh, killing, killing our, our crops and killing everything. And that's what they're engaged in. And so unless you, uh, uh so we cannot be content with just changing our perception. That's not that's not going to do it. We've got to stop the government from killing us. And I I think that uh, you 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 uh, and and incidentally I I, I did watch uh, uh, I did watch the uh, debate tonight and and uh, Gingrich was very respectful of Ron Paul and the Federal Reserve. So we're making headway on on that score. So, but I wanted to get get that through uh, to you. 
Uh, well, thank you for that, but I, I'm not really sure. Is that is that an argument for government? I must completely disagree. They, I don't at all disagree that they're trying to, to stomp on us and, and kill us off and weaken us and enslave us and everything else. But if we treat the symptom, if we go to the government and say, we have to make them stop doing it, that's actually a perfect illustration of why perception is the entire problem. How do they get the money to do that? They get it from a 100 million people who feel a moral obligation to give a percentage of what they earn to a gang of parasites and thieves. How do you think they'd harass us and, and spray and do whatever else if there weren't a 100 million human beings who perceive them as a legitimate authority and so give them several trillion dollars a year? If the slaves stop imagining the slave master to have any rightful ownership over them, they stop playing along. They stop picking the cotton for him, and the slave master has nothing. Everything they have, you know, the par they're a parasite class. They don't produce anything of wealth. All of the wealth they have, they stole from the people who produced it. And the only reason they could do that is because the people who produced it have been duped into imagining that that's a legitimate setup, that that's valid and moral for this gang of parasites to rob us. All of the nasty things they do are funded by the value we create. You and me and 100, 200 million other productive people who actually do something of value. If we stop imagining an obligation to fuel them, the game's over. You don't have to overthrow them. You don't have to demand this or that legislation. They have nothing if we stop hallucinating them to be our rightful lords and masters. They're not. They're a gang of crooks. Again, I think that's pretty much the case, and I think it's all a question of how we can just get off the systems uh, that they've implanted for us. But uh, on that note, we have uh, another caller online. We have Tom in Arkansas. So, Tom, uh, what's on your mind tonight? Yes. Um, my comment would be um, the governments, and I say plural governments, the Western industrialized world, as they say, are simply fronts for the financial oligarchy. And uh, the conversation tonight, we we forget that that's why government, uh, one of the reasons that they have governments is to, to fade the heat, to uh, be the, the veneer, the facade for the true power uh, that owns and absolutely controls these various governments, including our own around the world. It's the financial oligarchy of the world that is in total control. And any form of uh, government that's devised that leaves this financial oligarchy in place is doomed. You, uh, you have to go after the disease, uh, the symptom, uh, uh, it is not going to do a bit of good to treat or attempt to cure it because that is not the disease. Uh, the people, the names, and you've, you've heard them before, the Rockefeller, the Rothschild, the, uh, the names are infamous by now, and they go back decades and generation after generation through history. That's where the attack has to be. And they are so well hidden. So obscured, uh, you know, people, again, yeah, the left, the right, the 
conservatives are liberal, and Democrats are Republicans, to this, to that, to something else. And, and that's just all of the veneer. Uh, it's a, it's smoke and mirrors. It's them. Right. What was the uh, favorite phrase, uh, famous phrase about David Rockefeller? He didn't want to become president because it would be a demotion. So, um, so certainly that, that I think that is part of the point. But as you mentioned, I think government is a, a front for them because it does take the heat off of them. So without government, I guess they wouldn't have that ability. But Larkin, what, what's your comment on that? I yeah, I hugely agree with a lot of that. I disagree with the conclusion. I totally agree that the the politics that we see on the TV is a puppet show. It's a show put on for the masses to make them think they have power and to think there's this important game going on. And yeah, they're left and right. They're all puppets of the people who have pretty much ruled the world forever. Now, I don't know exactly who all they are. I know the names of Rockefellers and the Bilderbergers and yada, yada, yada. And so, yes, I totally agree that it's, it's a puppet show and the, you know, the, the puppet of the day that's put in front of us, Obama, Clinton, Bush, whoever it is. Uh, doesn't really matter. And in the long run, they're not really the ones running the show. However, I would say the ones running the show do not matter if their puppets are not imagined to be authority and government. We don't actually have to target them. We don't have to beat them up. We don't have to put them on trial. Let's say tomorrow everybody woke up and they stopped acknowledging, they stopped imagining some moral obligation to obey the crooks in Washington. Let's say they don't even know what's going on behind the scenes because most of them don't. It doesn't even matter because then the Fed say, hey, you're supposed to use our, our pieces of paper. And everyone says, yeah, but they're falling in value and always have been and always will be. We're going to move to silver or something and we're not going to give the IRS any money and we're not going to do what you say. Even the ones behind the scene, even their power all rests on the illusion of authority. And if we just step away, I mean, that's the ultimate example of of the power of mind control. The entire gigantic financial fraud, the Federal Reserve, all the fiat currency, the fractional banking, that whole scam that's enslaved the planet is all, it only works because of the illusion and the deception. If people just look at it and go, oh, so they're making up money out of thin air and loaning it to us, and okay, let's just not deal with them. That's the end. Game over for them. They are out of power. They are nothing ever again if the people just understood it and stepped away from it. No revolution, no big, you know, dramatic war or something. If people just understood the scam and said, well, yeah, let's not do that anymore. Let's not borrow fake money made out of thin air and let's not use fake currency that those crooks over there keep printing. That's it. The, the game's over which is why I focus so much on it's what people believe and it's what they imagine reality to be that's the problem. You know, yes, you can point out some really evil, nasty, scheming, murderous psychos who are doing huge destructive things, but it's all by way of this belief in authority. And we don't have to figure out a way to, to topple their regime other than having their slaves figure out that they shouldn't be slaves. And that all by itself ends the entire scheme. Okay, thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, we have time for one more call, so let's squeeze in Lark from Texas. Lark, uh, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Well, hi, James Larkin. Uh, great conversation. Hey. Uh, uh, perhaps one of you could help me out with the precise quote. I think uh, Buckminster Fuller said that if you want to change the world or change yourself, you have to build a better model. And so I applaud your work. 
uh, Larkin. I think that, uh, quite frankly, we need to kind of declare our independence from uh, being forced into participating in organized crime. Yeah, absolutely. And the first step of that is having people recognize that that's what it is. In fact, that's almost the only step. And for years, I didn't recognize it. I thought, well, of course, somebody has to be in charge, and of course, you have to have taxes, of course, you have that. And that's why everything I do now is trying to tell people, you know, yes, there's lots of bad things happening, and the root cause can be found between your right ear and your left ear, and between the ears of several billion other people. It cannot be found in Washington. It cannot be found. We have to change our understanding of reality, and then the world can fix itself. I mean, the most important thing I've ever written is my book called The Most Dangerous Superstition, which basically goes into how the way we imagine reality, this is what's so sad, the way good people imagine reality is why we have mass oppression and tyranny and warmongering and, and evil going on all over the place. It isn't because the bad people are bad. It's because the good people are imagining something that isn't real. And until they change the way they see the world, they can bash their heads against the wall, you know, day and night as long as they want, like we've been doing for a couple hundred years in this country, and it keeps getting worse. They have to change their understanding of the reality around them before the world will improve at all. And it's something people don't want to hear. They don't, they'd much rather point a finger and say, that guy's bad, that guy's bad. Okay, that's fine, and it's totally true in a lot of cases, but you're misunderstanding reality, and you're not the solution until you know what's true. Very wise words, and it's something I've said before, and we'll say again, the only revolution that matters is the revolution of the mind, so we'll have to get uh, more into that, but first let's take a short break, and we'll come back to wrap up with Larkin Rose of LarkinRose.com. Welcome back to the final minutes of the Corbett Report Radio here on Republic Broadcasting. Of course, I'm your host, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and tonight we've been talking to Larkin Rose of LarkinRose.com, where let me remind listeners once again that you can go and purchase some of his books, including How to Be a Successful Tyrant and The Most Dangerous Superstition, or his DVD, Theft by Deception, Deciphering the Federal Income Tax. And while you're on LarkinRose.com, of course, you can check out his blog and the media that he's created in the past, find out more about these very important topics that really do go to the heart of so many of the issues that we talk about here on Corbett Report Radio night after night. So, uh, Larkin, once again, it's been great talking to you, and I think just in the final few minutes here, perhaps we can wrap up this conversation with at least touching on the topic of what we could envision as something to replace a, a government-led society. What what kinds of organizations or cooperation you think could uh, could really take over from the, the mentality that we have right now of giving our our lifeblood and our life work to, over to the uh, the tiny dot to let them have their say with it. Well, uh, to be blunt, I think whatever I could come up with and imagine will be pathetically lame compared to what six billion people left in freedom are going to come up with. Um, now I could make predictions and suggestions about we could do this this way. Um, but the main thing to me is getting people to the point where they can start thinking in a different framework. 
like people say, well, what would we do about, you know, crime and what would we do about this? And usually what they mean is what is somebody else going to do about it? And just to start people down the road of thinking, okay, let's pretend there isn't a big guy with a club who has the right to rule the world. And start to look at the problems as if there isn't a giant nanny state to cry to. You know, there's some people who, who need our help who are poor and uh, through no fault of their own. Normally, people run to the state to have it rob everybody to fix it. Um, or there are people out there who are nasty and would rob us and try to beat us up. And people say, well, let's run to government and, and have it rob everybody to make a protection racket for us. I would tell people, start to think in terms of you're the highest there is. There's you. There's 600 billion people on the same level as you. There's nobody beneath you and there's nobody above you. So you have the right to organize and cooperate and go to town doing all sorts of different ideas. You just don't get to rule anybody. And the idea that human beings can't figure out better solutions if we cooperate and get along voluntarily and that what we really need is a bunch of politicians violently forcing their solutions on all of us, as if that's going to be an improvement, that's what most people believe. But it's batty. The idea that that this select group of people who everybody knows, they're corrupt, crooked liars and thieves, having them come up with a solution and make us follow it, that doesn't work. Try approaching reality as a responsible adult human being who thinks, okay, I'm just me, I just have the resources I have, I only have the rights I have, I can cooperate with other people, what do I do? to start dealing with the problems. Not who do I run to, not who do I put on the throne, but what do I do, along with my neighbors, to figure out what to do to deal with the, you know, whatever problems you're concerned with. And it's a completely different mindset than, you know, there should be a law about this or that or the other, or they should make a program to blah, blah, blah. You're in charge. The tyrants aren't. The world is up to you. Figure it out. Talk about a fundamental shift in perspective from what we're generally presented with. And I think it's definitely something that people have to take on board and at least consider if they have not yet done so. So once again, I will direct people to LarkinRose.com for more on that. So Larkin, thank you for joining us on the program. And thank you to all of you out there for listening in. Once again, an exciting, interesting, thought-provoking broadcast. And I hope to have more of that tomorrow and the rest of the week. So I hope you'll join us for that. Until then, thank you for listening and take care.